Well, I have been excited for a long time to spend time with you, Jim. Our friendship has been, over the years, just uh, a point of great joy for me. And uh, there's so many CEOs that I talk to in the Convene network of now over 500 CEOs that talk about execution as being a stumbling point. We are good at strategy. We are great at coming back from a talk and imparting vision. We are good at coming up with value statements. Those are warm and fuzzy. But talk about execution, and sometimes CEOs run for cover. So I was excited to talk to you about execution. You've spent 28 years in the aerospace industry, 16 years as CEO, seven years now as a consultant and coach to executives. You've had lots of success and failures, but a 40% growth rate in the final years of your company. Tell us about that. Well, first of all, thanks for having me today, and I am excited to be here. Um, I think all those years in Convene, obviously, uh, I've seen a lot of CEOs um, learn a lot of great business acumen and so forth, but struggle with execution. Mm -hmm. And so did I. So did I. For the first 10 years, I was CEO of what ended up being two aerospace manufacturing companies globally. you know, we worked hard. I was a command and control general. Everybody follow me up the hill. And yeah. and uh, we had some growth early on, but then we fell and fell dramatically. And uh, um, I had to change the culture. The ch- culture of our company had to change, and it had to start with me. Hmm. And um, so a lot of things happen. I think we'll talk a little bit more about that. But first thing is I hit my knees and I told the Lord, you know, this is your business, not mine. Uh I can't keep doing it the same way that I've always done it. Yeah. Uh, Need some help. Um, And I knew that if I didn't change the way I was running the business, that uh, probably something was going to happen bad to me personally. Yeah. So well, what uh, were some of the warning signs, those uh, you were in the aerospace industry, right. so we might use a plane analogy a little bit here. What were some of those red lights on the dashboard that you kind of said, I'm not sure this flight is going like I planned? Well, I do use the airplane analogy. Um, I, I think once again, uh, you know, our, the, we strategized every year, uh, those first 10 years, uh, we put together detailed strategic plans. But we didn't have a good support system for executing on them. And this is what I see. Do you know that 90% of all strategies are developed by companies are never executed? They're in that three-ring binder somewhere. That's right. And uh, we were no different. I mean, 10 years as a CEO, once again, we had heavy growth, and then we fell, uh, only to to realize that we were still talking about some of the same strategies we had talked about 10 years before. Oh, my gosh. We had never implemented so it had to start, start first with my leadership and my culture. And I think once that I really kind of surrendered um, uh, in, in a different way to, to my faith and to the business that, uh, you know, I created the kind of culture that we could then go forward. And uh, one of the things that we did early on, and by the way, I had some outside consulting help come in and help me, mm-hmm. was did a 360 on myself. Mm-hmm. That's uh, humbling. And my leadership. One of the most humbling things you could ever do. And uh, clearly, I was not one that was giving enough attaboys. Okay. Um, ca- I wasn't catching people doing things right uh-huh. often enough. Um, 
and uh, we weren't celebrating successes okay. and things like that. And I also realized I was very much a command and control person, mm-hmm. and I needed to, we needed to create more of a servant leadership. I needed to be more about my people. So mm-hmm. when we talk about an airplane, for example, going back to that, I mean, how often have we heard – uh, the pilot coming back and yelling at the flight attendants on an airplane or something like I, that. Let's see, a million miles. I've never seen it happen You've once. You've never seen it happen. So there's, a, there's an aura, there's a culture inside of an airplane flight that has to exist of respect and so forth that mm-hmm. has to drive the overall culture of, of an airplane. Mm-hmm. And the same has to be in, in, in true of a company and an mm-hmm. organization. So a lot of times... Uh, organizations develop core, uh, you know, core values and so forth. They may hang them on the wall somewhere, but they don't have a process for really discussing them. They're really not using them to necessarily change their culture, mm-hmm. and that's one key. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes people think that these things are just going to sort of happen by osmosis? Once, that's once right. we have the big put them up on the wall and vision session, we put the values up, and right. now everybody just does it. Right. I worked for somebody at one point in time who said. Uh, why don't people just do their job? And you kind of wonder sometimes, well, why don't they? Right, right. Right? So, but the people are this post-Genesis 3 era kind of folks, right, where there's this sin nature that is sown into us, and we don't get everything right all the time. We're not perfect. Right. right. Well, you ask about the airplane, and, and I do use that as an analogy because I, I when I work with with organizations, I asked him, I said, have you ever gone into an airport to fly somewhere and up on the wall, one of the choices in addition to Boston or New York or whatever is going somewhere? Uh-huh. And the obvious answer is no, it's never going somewhere. And yet, unfortunately, that's what most organizations are doing. Yeah. You know, they, even if they're doing a strategic plan, they, if 90% of the strategies are not being accomplished, they're just working hard and they're ending up somewhere. Yeah. It reminds me of the Google uh, thing. I don't know if they still have it on Google when you go to search and it says, is feeling lucky today. Right. 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 Combination of that plus going somewhere, I'd rather get on the plane I want to go to. That's right. So the second part of an airplane flight, in addition to the to creating that servant leadership culture, is truly to strategize and understand what is that in destination and to develop a process for strategic planning that's very, very objective. It's not literally the CEO coming back from a, uh, being on an island for a weekend and saying, I want to go here, mm-hmm. which immediately he loses about half his people when he does that. And why would you say that? is what happens well i mean because they haven't participated in developing that that destination that new toy of an idea that ideal future they Mm -hmm. they don't know how he got there they would they wonder maybe what was he doing this weekend right yeah and uh so they're saying well i'll get it i get a paycheck for him so i'll do whatever i can to hopefully get us there but Mm -hmm. they're really not there yeah because he didn't involve them in part of the strategic planning process and i think that's a critical part of the strategized piece of, of, of that, we, that we try and enforce with companies or yeah. work with companies at will. So I know you have four things that you have kind of ratcheted this down to after right. years of thinking, including failures. So if you're speaking to the CEO out there, uh, she or he is trying to figure out how to turn vision into reality, how to turn strategy into execution, how to turn dreams into actual plans, what would you say the first thing they should do would be? Well, let me just say the four things are to create a servant leadership culture, to strategize properly, 
to make sure that you're supporting the strategic plan with a process of execution uh-huh. and that you're sharing back with the people that have agreed to do certain things, that you're, you're sharing back as an owner in the proceeds, the free cash flow that comes from that. Those four things, they're not mutually exclusive. Okay. So they go hand in hand. But like in my case, it started with changing that culture, changing my heart and then being humbled through a 360 and then yeah. starting to get some sort of coaching, some sort of consulting to help me understand what I needed to do to become more collaborative than just a and more peer type leadership yeah. than just command and control. All, all roads leading through me. Yeah. That didn't yeah. that didn't work. And it was it was stressing me and killing me in the process. Um, so if there was a starting point, I'd say it has to start with the culture. But then to move into the, to the second piece I just talked about is you've got to strategize properly. Uh-huh. And, you know, a lot of organizations do SWATs, for example, strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities, and threats. And there's, there's, there's strength in that. I mean, there's, that's a good acumen. But we actually believe very strongly that you've got to do an analysis between the strengths and the opportunities, the weaknesses and the opportunities, the strengths and the threats, mm-hmm. and the opportunities and the threats to really know what are your biggest strengths and biggest thing is what are your biggest weaknesses mm-hmm. that you need to fix so that you can then accomplish your opportunities or combat various threats. Mm-hmm. So this analysis, that this impact analysis is a very important part of the strategic planning process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first thing, servant leadership. Second thing, SWOT analysis. SWOT impact analysis. Okay. And the third thing? Well, the SWOT impact analysis will allow you to then discern top two or three uh, initiatives that you need to get done in the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. And that I consider that, going back to the airplane, like the first hour of the flight. Okay. Okay. And in the first hour of flight, a lot of things have to happen, not only load the plane and give instructions and taxi out and serve a drink. And if you're leaving from L.A., you've got to be over. If you're going to New York, you've got to be over the Grand Canyon in an hour. So mm-hmm. you know where you've got to be and so forth. But certain things have to happen. Same thing has to happen in a business. The first year, certain things have to happen. And, and too often strategically when they've just done a SWAT, they've said, well, we want to go at, at, get do this initiative. And it's really exciting and it's, you know, it's got a lot of sizzle and so forth. But their weaknesses are so great, they're going to fall into their weaknesses every time and that prevents them from executing on mm-hmm. their opportunities. Mm-hmm. So doing this impact analysis allows them to really see what their weaknesses are, fix those in the first year, plus pick up uh, an opportunity or two that maybe they are positioned to accomplish. And then they move the needle. And now at the end of 12 months, they ha- or the first hour of the flight conceptually, mm-hmm. they've established a foundation that doesn't have any gaps in it, that now they can truly launch a launching pad. That now they can launch. But in addition to that, they can also see more clearly, okay, where can we land this organization, say, five years from now, three, mm-hmm. five, seven years from now? So it makes that landing point that much clearer and so that they're able to then create a more objective, smart vision for the, mm-hmm. for the organization. Okay. So to review servant leadership, right. a strategy that includes a SWOT analysis, right. support, which is that whole accountability process. Well, the support piece then kicks in. Once we have the initiatives um, 
defined and the strategies to accomplish those initiatives, which have been agreed to by the various leaders of the organization. And, and this all comes in, in a context of a, of, a, of a roundtable with the leadership team, wherein they, have a, they, they know how they landed on these various initiatives. Now they're defining the strategies to accomplish those. And they're volunteering. They're saying, I'm the champion of that one, or I'm the support person on this one. And they volunteer in that strategic planning process. Mm -hmm. And then the support piece comes back where we roll back around with them and develop an agreed goals, measurable goals, around those strategies that they've agreed to champion. Mm -hmm. So it's them saying, yeah, I can get that done. And it all under the context of being smart, specific, measurable, aligned where we're going, realistic and timely. And, and they develop these measurable goals. In addition, they develop primary job responsibilities, and that's the things that you get paid for in your salary year over year to do. Uh -huh. If your job never changes, they basically never change. And that's the day-to-day -day stuff. But in a, these goals are an additive to that because that's what's going to move the needle yeah. and, and major projects or initiatives. And, um, and then we, we, we re, you know, those are reviewed on a, on a very perpetual basis, like monthly, yeah. so that they don't, they don't lose uh, any time between them. They're, they're constantly front and center. And uh, what happens on an airplane sometimes? There's turbulence, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes there's a tailwind. Well, obviously that happens in business too. There's a new bluebird that flies in the window or mm -hmm. something goes really bad. But if we're talking monthly about what is strategic and where we said we'd go, we have a perfect litmus test to always run those new elements against and say, okay, are they more important than what we previously agreed? And if so, then we have to make some adjustments, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. But if they're not, maybe we have to defer them or maybe we have to hand them off to somebody down in the organization somewhere that would love to work on them mm -hmm. while we continue to press forward because we want to land the plane where we said we were going to land the plane, right? right? Instead of going in a to, few quote, years. unquote, somewhere. Right. So we know that, like I said, if we're over the Grand Canyon in an hour going to New York from L.A., we've got to be, say, over Denver in the next hour, right? Yeah. And the yeah. next hour after that, Chicago. Right. So we have to keep it moving in that direction, and that's very, very important. Yeah. How about a story before we do number four uh, from your 28 years in the business? When did maybe this not go so well for you? Oh. I know well, there's only one time, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I feel like um, the value that I love to bring to CEOs is, is, is not just this secret sauce, secret formula that then led to uh, many, many years of 40% compound annual growth rate. But it's the 10 years before that mm -hmm. of hard work, uh, once again, command and control style of leadership, um, trying to be everything to everybody, um, traveling the world globally, which is very important, but, but really wearing myself out. Mm -hmm. uh, only I, I remember when you came uh, back from a London flight. Do you remember yeah. that? And you which came, time? <laughs> <laughs> you did probably a hundred of them, but you came back from a flight from London. Our convene group was at whatever, eight o'clock in the morning. Right. You came in a little late, maybe nine o'clock or something like that. And you were double dog tired <laughs> and you were beat beyond beat and you were ready to fall asleep at the table. And you talked about how you just are done with these flights across the ocean <laughs> and you were so tired. Yeah, well, there were many of those. And, I, and yet I look back, I think that's a, that's, that there's a real importance to 
having the energy to be in front of your customer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that's a very, very important, no matter what role you're in, is really understanding your, your customer base and, and what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and trying to mm-hmm. come back and, and change that. But um, it was really just um, the way I'm wired, very competitively wanting to mm-hmm. grow the business to the, to a, you know, the maximum possible way, but not really understanding how to lead it. Yeah. And um, so anyway, uh, after about four years of record growth, uh, we lost a huge contract that then uh, brought us all the way back to where we started mm-hmm. uh, within a couple of years. And we had ramped up facilities, equipment, people, uh, debt, and so forth around that. Mm-hmm. So trying to unwrap that and figure out other ways to get our products into the global aerospace hmm. industry was all a very, very huge challenge. And hmm. So you did all this work. On a macro basis, that'll be the thing I'll remember more than anything. Yeah, so you did all this work, and then X years later, you're back to where you started. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and I, and I like I said, as part of Convene for all these years, I've, I see that so often in other organizations mm-hmm. as well. Um, that if you're not, if you don't have kind of this formula for uh, driving uh, perpetual growth and execution, uh, that you're going to have some good years and yeah. and then you're going to have some bad years. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know when that water level, I always say when the water level in the in the pond goes down, if you haven't driven the rocks out, you're going to hit those rocks and they yeah. hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And they really really hurt. Yeah. So we're we're mm. very much about whether times are good or whether times are bad, stopping to work on your business, not just being wrapped around the axle and working in your business all the yeah. time. Fourth thing is share. So servant leadership, strategize, support, and share. Tell us about share. What does that mean? Well, the thing I find interesting, going back to the plane exercise, is that uh, the major airlines uh, pay their people, obviously, some sort of wage based upon being a pilot or a co-pilot or a flight attendant. But their bonus systems are almost always based upon on-time delivery of their clients to their destinations. So going back to that airplane flight, say five hours length, it's really important that they land the plane on time. Mm -hmm. So when we develop a strategic plan that has agreed, clear initiatives and strategies and who's responsible, and we're talking about a monthly and then we land the plane on time. We, we, we achieve our goals, achieve our budget. Mm-hmm. We encourage the owners or the organizations to share back from the available free cash flow to the people that have accomplished what they've done. Mm-hmm. And that creates a very objective uh, pay-for-performance compensation program. Mm-hmm. I tell people that I think people work on locations for three reasons. Number one, they love the environment. Uh, that can include the physical space and the people they work with, but it also includes the transparency that comes from understanding where the organization's going, where it's going to land, where its vision, mm-hmm. uh, it, its mission, its purpose. You know, why do we exist? Why do we do what we do? Uh, and really believing in that. So I think that's one critical factor. But the, se- the second one is, is they want to know that what they're accomplishing, what they're doing is adding value to towards that mission mm-hmm. and that they are a contributing part of that. So when they're being held accountable every month to what they agreed to do and it's being discussed with them, they get a sense that, 
yeah, they're a part of moving this this thing forward. Mm -hmm. But the third thing is I think everybody wants to be fairly compensated. Mm -hmm. And too often organizations get to the end of the year. They do not know how to pay their people at the end of the year. A lot of times it's just what did we give them last year? Mm -hmm. Let's just write another check. Or Mm -hmm. he's been with us a long – he or she's been with us a long time, so let's give him a little more than somebody else. Not just a turkey, but maybe a turkey and movie tickets or something like that, right? Exactly. Crazy stuff. But when when, when they've – process put in a support piece that actually has performance factors in terms of how they're doing on these things they agreed to do um, now they've got something objective to pay from mm-hmm. and so creates you know we recommend pay, creating a, a pool of shared earnings we call it shared earnings the owner is sharing back from some of the earnings mm-hmm. into a pool but then it's, it's it's divided by some of these performance factors based on how well they did and what they agreed to do mm-hmm. so it it, it it creates uh, more of a, of a culture where they're not going to take their eye off the ball what's important, and they're going to stay focused on the strategic. Mm. And this goes mm. to a lot of different things, you know, Covey's four quadrants, uh, right. ta- time management quadrants, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But it creates us working more in quadrant two on the, on, the, on, the, on the important but seemingly not as urgent stuff. Yeah. So the average CEO in my world, as I travel around and meet them by the hundreds, uh, they're not reading the latest books all the time. They might be listening to a podcast like this, but they're maybe not sloshing through the right. discipline of execution or managing for results or whatever's the latest, greatest book. What would you say to the CEO who's tuned in now and they've managed to be listening to us for all 26 minutes of time so far? Yeah. And they're saying, I want to do something. I do have that dusty mission, vision, values thing in a three-ring binder on the bottom shelf right. of, my ho- of my house. Maybe I'll look at it and figure out if I should bring it to work. But what what should they do besides ring you up? What should they do to do something different now that they've heard this and say, hmm, maybe execution is for me? I think, I think first of all, and, and I'll just say this because I – once again, I was that baby boomer, command and control CEO. We all have egos to a certain point, but being humble enough to just say, I need to change the way mm. I do it. Mm. I need to change the way I do it. And I'll tell you, with the changing um, uh, generational things that are happening, that we all talk a lot about the millennials coming through, command and control leadership will not work. Yeah. It will not work. Um, but beyond that, I, I do think it starts with leadership. It starts with that humble approach. Um, I believe very strongly that Jesus was the greatest leader of all time. Uh-huh. I mean, he took 11 ordinary men, right, and uh-huh. created Christianity that exists 2,000 years later and has 3 billion followers. I mean, that's pretty darn good leadership. Uh-huh. And what did he say? He, he said, you know, now that I've washed your feet, washed the disciples' feet, I've set an example that you should do as I have done. Uh-huh. And yet, we've got 20,000 books on leadership that have been written and are in publication and the world believes what's wrong with our world is a lack of leadership. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think really, really understanding Jesus' example, his heart and his, you know, his head, his hands, and his habits that he did as a leader in his short time here and what it's resulted in is very, very important. A leader that's humble enough to say, okay, that's the first step. I, I've, I've got to change the way I lead. 
mm-hmm. and uh, especially among the baby boom generation. Because in all fairness, I mean, kudos to them. They started their businesses. They grew them. They are. They truly have uh, deserve all the accolades for getting their businesses where they are. But a lot of times. They are now the ceiling that's preventing it from going any further. Mm -hmm. And I hate to see that. And I was one, once again, starting with that 360 analysis that was, it was a big eye opener for me. And Mm -hmm. and I had to change the way I led the business. Well, you had to be willing to be open to hearing these things that you weren't necessarily perfect. Right. So I think that's really the starting point. From there, it gets into the mechanics of what I've discussed. But the key point on these four essentials that I call the four essentials for guaranteed execution, lasting value, is that they're not uh, mutually exclusive. They're mutually inclusive. Let's talk about that for a minute. So, for example, if you create a culture of servant leadership and you strategize properly and you put a shared earnings plan in, Mm -hmm. but there's no support system for the execution – People are just going to be running around working hard trying to get it done, mm-hmm. but there's no accountability piece that will will drive it home. Or an ethical base to it. We just had a situation here in California where a big bank, which will, I guess, remain nameless even though they're in the news, said that everybody had to open a number of bank accounts uh, irrespective of maybe some ethics attached to that. So <laughs> <laughs> the goal was there, but the ethical pathway was maybe breached. Right, right. And I, you know, continuing on, I mean, if somebody strategizes properly and they support the system properly with an execution management process, they agree to share back. But if the owner or the CEO or the, the head person is, is a jerk to work for, mm-hmm. he's going to lose people. Yeah. And when you lose people, what happens? You have to stop. You have to fill the position. Start over. And when you're doing that, you're not executing. Right. It's, right. it's pulling away from the execution piece. Yeah. So. It, it truly is all of these things. You can run those examples through all four, but um, once you create that that culture, you strategize properly, you support it with that accountability, execution, management people, and then you pay your people objectively based upon what they've agreed to do. Mm-hmm. We say you we guarantee it, you can't miss, and mm. it, and and that was the formula we put in. Uh, in the last six years in my aerospace career, mm-hmm. and that's where we had the 40% year-over-year growth rate. Wow, wow. Yeah. Well, I remember an old commercial that said, I liked the shaver so much I bought the company, but you like execution so much you started a company. And I remember in the the weeks that you were right. working on a name, and you came up with <laughs> what? Kingdom Partner Solutions. Kingdom Partner Solutions. And tell tell those who are listening about why that name is important to you. Oh, well, I mean, I really felt a call on my heart. I stayed on with the Fortune 500 company that bought us for a year, and I felt the Lord really calling me to do this, to work with uh, equally yoked people to start mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. and uh, and really share what had happened to me, share this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the kingdom partner. I want to bring the kingdom of God to earth yeah. through this effort with like-minded CEOs. Yeah, and, and I imagine you've seen a lot of eyes light up as execution sort of takes a hold in the enterprise. It's so exciting. It's it's so fun. We get to work with a lot of great people. We work in a lot of different industries. We call ourselves industry agnostics because uh-huh. it doesn't have to be aerospace by any means. It can yeah. be nonprofit also. And um, but you know, really humble leaders that that are trying. They're yeah. trying, and some of them it's difficult. Yeah, I realize. Yeah, it's, to it's, break old habits. To break old habits. That's right. But with the ones that have gotten these four elements right, uh, the exponential growth is so exciting to watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a joy to talk about execution and a bit of a 
fresh thing somehow because we do talk a lot in CEO circles about vision and a lot about strategy and a lot about values, but there's few people talking about execution. So I'm so glad you joined the ranks and are attaching a kingdom uh, perspective to it. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. I love this and. Uh, and I, and I love uh, what you do and convene and just all the members and, and, and just, you know, all the organizations out there. It's a, it's a changing world. We see that. Um, there's a lot of challenges. Uh, they're not stopping. And this generational thing is a whole different thing. But I think when we get this right, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Great. Well, Jim Eaton, a convene member for over a decade with Kingdom Partner Solutions, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks, Greg.